Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bass. Today is Wednesday, and we have John Smolt, the Hall of Famer, the postseason legend, joining me today. Always so cool to have him on. But also some storylines. Albert Pujols keeps on going. The playoffs are pretty much set. There's a lot to get to today, but stick around. This one's going to be a blast. And John Smoltz joining me in just a few minutes. Let's get to it. A high fly ball, deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge bat flip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. It is truly incredible. Albert Pujols just won't slow down. The odds of him getting to 700 home runs this year was minuscule. I mean, it just it, it, it wasn't going to happen. It seemed like this far-fetched idea that would be cool. And then at the All-Star break, you're thinking, well, now there's, there's really no chance. Hopefully he comes back next year, despite saying this is his last year. And then all of a sudden, you get to the second half. And he has been prime Albert Pujols in the second half. He has been unbelievable. He went on an absolute tear. He got to 700 home runs, and he has not stopped. He's at 703. He hit 703 the other night. Now, the milestones didn't stop either. He gets to 700, but he was still behind Babe Ruth in the all-time RBI leaderboard. Babe Ruth, second all-time for RBIs, but... A couple of nights ago, he got it done. Albert Pujols hits a home run, number 703, and passes Babe Ruth for second on the all-time RBI list. This is unbelievable that he is doing this. It is, it is, we will never forget this. We will never forget this stretch. We will never forget the machine. But for him to do what he has done in the second half of this season is unprecedented. This is the greatest, most impressive farewell tour of all time because basically we got one of the best athletes of all time, one of the best hitters of all time, going back in time, getting into his prime and passing all of these all-time records. The most home runs in baseball since August 14th. Albert Pujols, 16. Aaron Judge, 15. Mike Trout, 15. Albert Pujols is at the top of that list. I can't believe what we're seeing. Congratulations to Albert Pujols. Just keeps on pushing. 703 and past Babe Ruth. 2,216 RBIs. Most home runs in a season at age 42 or older. 2007 Barry Bonds hit 28. 2022 Albert Pujols, 24. Now with just, what, a couple games with just with not much time left in the season, I don't think Albert Pujols is going to be passing Barry Bonds. But to be in that conversation and to make this history, I I can't believe it. Albert Pujols has more home runs this year than Carlos Correa does. 
This is the greatest farewell tour of all time, and it is an honor to be able to watch him play the game of baseball for a few more games and to have this year. It has been special. And to do what the Cardinals did the other night with Albert Pujols, Yadi Molina, and Adam Wainwright all walking off the field together at Bush Stadium for one final time, that was special. And uh, shout out to Marmal, the Cardinals manager. But for the final home game, when Adam Wainwright came out of the game, everybody met on the mound, and the three of them walked off together. Walked off into the sunset. It was just, it was picturesque. It was great. The shadow, it was just the whole thing. It was perfect. And they are walking off into the sunset, and Albert Pujols is hitting home runs, walking off into the sunset as well. So uh, really cool, really cool what's happening there. But the playoffs are pretty much set. There are still a few seeding things that could happen, but the playoff teams are set. You got the Dodgers, the Braves, the Mets, the Padres, and the Phillies on the National League side. And on the American League side, you got the Astros, you got the Yankees, you got the Guardians, the Blue Jays, the Mariners, and the Rays. Those are the 12 teams that will be involved. It all came down to the wire as we expected to. The NL East came down to the final two days of the season. The final wild card spot in the National League, that came down to the last week as well. The Phillies end up getting in. The Brewers are the team on the outside left looking in. The Phillies have clinched the first postseason since 2011. I'm so excited for this because playoff baseball in Philly, it became a staple in the game of baseball for a while there. In the Ryan Howard days, all you remember is seeing the Phillies in the playoffs, Citizen Bank going crazy. That crowd was wild. They are back. They had one of the longest playoff droughts in baseball, aside from the Mariners, who we all knew about. But they are in. The Brewers, they are not in. What a disappointment for the Milwaukee Brewers this year. Around the trade deadline, deadline and just a little bit before, the Brewers had a five-game lead in the division, in the NL Central. They looked like one of the one of the best teams in baseball with Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff at the top of that rotation, and they didn't get into the playoffs. What a ridiculous, utter collapse. Now, let's talk about that class because I do not put this all on the players. The Brewers at the trade deadline were in a great position, right? You're in first place in the NL Central. Your pitching looks fantastic. Just add some offense, and you could do some damage in the playoffs. Not only did they not add offense, they got rid of some of their pitching. One of the best closers in the game of baseball, and I know he was going through a little bit of a, of a tough stretch, Josh Hader, gone, traded him away. Didn't get much in return. Uh, got Rodgers in return, but he's not, he's not as good of a closer. He was good, but not as good of a closer as Josh Hader. You get no offense. You get no return. So not only do you lose your closer, you add no offense at the trade deadline. It threw everybody off that they ended up trading Josh Hader. You hear guys in the clubhouse talking about it right after. Devin Williams himself said, yeah, I don't, it's... It's a surprise. It's it's shocking. Uh, I don't really know what to say. Uh, you could see it on his face. And of anybody on the Brewers team that trading Josh Hader benefited, 
it was Devin Williams because he was going to slide into that closer spot. But he was he was clearly shaken. It shook the team. They went on a downhill spiral. They didn't add offense. The Milwaukee Brewers at the trade deadline were in a great place to make the playoffs, and they got worse. And it is unacceptable. As a fan of baseball and fans of the Brewers should be furious at that front office because it is unacceptable what they did. You trade away one of the best closers in baseball, you get nothing in return, and you do nothing to add to an offense that desperately needed help and could actually do damage in the postseason with given a chance because of how good the pitching is. The Brewers' season was a nightmare. I can't believe they didn't make the playoffs, and I do not put a ton of the blame on the players because the front office put this team in no position to win when they had all the chance in the world at the trade deadline. And now here we are, the beginning of October, and the Milwaukee Brewers are not in the playoffs. I can't believe it. Even with the expanded playoff structure, there are 12 teams in this year. There's an extra wildcard team on both sides, and the Brewers couldn't get it done. I am disappointed in that front office, and fans should be disappointed in that front office as well because every fan deserves to have a team that, oh, we have a chance to win this year. We are all in. Look at what the, look at what the Dodgers did last year, bringing in Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Look at what the Seattle Mariners did this year. The longest playoff drought in American sports. And they see that they have a potential to win, and they go out and add the best pitcher available. Is that too much to ask? Apparently so, if you're the Milwaukee Brewers. All they needed was to go out and add some bats and keep the pitching the same, and they would have been in the playoffs. But not only did they not add bats, they got worse, and they messed up the locker room culture in the time being, and it just ended up being an absolute fiasco. But as I mentioned, that extra playoff spot, it's going to make for some exciting baseball this October. I'm really pumped about it. Uh, I know a lot of people are really pumped about it, and as Every week now, which is really cool to say, I have John Smoltz on. So I'm going to talk to him all about the playoff structure, the way it's set up, a buy in the first round, and if that's necessarily a good thing or maybe the time off is going to be a bad thing, we'll see, as well as his favorite playoff series that he's excited to watch and a little postseason record that he holds. He's been great in the playoffs in his career, always has been a postseason legend, but he holds one record that you probably don't know about. And I'm excited to talk to him about that. So this one is always really, really cool for me. I grew up a Braves fan. I grew up a huge John Smoltz fan. To have him on Flipping Bats every single week is an honor for me and truly incredible. And I'm excited every time. And I hope you guys appreciate it as well. So let's get to it now and welcome in Hall of Famer and postseason legend, John Smoltz. All right, I am pumped to be joined now by Hall of Famer John Smoltz. John, what a week that we just witnessed in Major League Baseball. I cannot believe the Braves swept the Mets. You know, I, I'm trying to tell people in perspective. I mean, the Mets are a great team, and so are the Braves. But last year was a miracle, right? The Braves winning a World Series was a miracle. Uh, nothing short of it. It's hard to explain. Unless you saw how they did it, you wouldn't believe if you just woke up and said – that they won the World Series. I tell you what, winning those three games, even though they were at home against those three pitchers, to sweep them, they had to sweep them. If the Mets win one game, they they own the tiebreaker, and winning the division is going to be much harder. I, I just still, it's testimony to what the Braves have been through last year. Uh, I think the Mets are the deepest team in the National League. 
and they ran into a hot offense that really wasn't showing signs. Three guys that really wasn't showing signs of being hot at all hit about seven, eight, or nine home runs. So you got to give the Braves credit. They did what they had to do. They still had a job to do and win one game, and the Mets are still technically still in it. But that that was a that was a tough weekend for the New York Mets because if you would have said, come spring training, we've got three games with six to play, and I'm going to line up DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett, I think as if you're a Mets fan, you'd go, bring it on. I like our chances. And I will say this. Look, this is going to be a testimony of this playoffs to who has the best depth. There's some pitchers beat up right now. They're not used to pitching this long. And I know we're still not talking about 200 innings, but, you know, it is this time of year. The healthiest team is going to survive, in my opinion, and the one that can get the most depth that uh, is going to be proven in this playoff system. So winning the NL East can't be, the importance of it can't be understated because of the playoff structure this year, uh, which is different than years past and different than it's ever been. So, you know, I'm kind of intrigued by this playoff structure. It's, it's exciting in one way. It's, you know, there's a lot of questions in another way. So I want to talk to you about that for a little bit. So first and foremost, there's a buy. The top two seeds in each league are getting a buy. How do you feel about that? What are your thoughts when you hear a buy? I think it's huge. Uh, I think it's, it's about time we reward the best teams in baseball. You know, playing 162 games is hard. Um, winning the division should be more important than getting in in the wild card. You shouldn't have any home games. I, sh- I said that a long time ago. I, I, I think one-game playoffs, uh, although be exciting for TV, are, are terrible for the sport, in my opinion. And I think we needed to reward the best teams in baseball, and now we're doing that. There's going to be a decided advantage to get that rest, to set up your rotation, to face a team who had to burn two or three starters in their bullpen being used. There should be value put in having the best overall team in baseball. If you win 116 games and you face a team that gets in by the skin of their teeth under the old format, you don't have that big of an advantage. Even if you were to somehow play all those games at home, I think this system rewards the team that put the best foot forward, had the balance to withstand the 162. And you know what? It's going to be much harder to win four series now. If you didn't put yourself in position for those two best records and you win the World Series, man, you have accomplished something incredible. You know, in football, you got as a wild card, you got to win every game on the road. You get no home games. At least here now, we've got a chance to set up the the season so that teams don't just, once they know they're in, just kind of coast. It's harder to get beat by two pitchers now. You, You can't. The off days are less. The playoffs are more. I like everything about it that tests the team that you have that lets you get to the point where you won 100 and some games and have the two best records in baseball. Do you have any concerns at all with with the bye? I, I look back at two of the teams that my brother was on in his career, 06 with the Tigers and 12 with the Tigers. Both times they sweep that CS. Then they have a long layoff in between the World Series game one starting. And in both of those occasions, a lot of guys on the team said that downtime actually wasn't great for us. We kind of just wanted to keep on rolling. Any concerns there for you? I think there are because you're just not built to do that, right? And I think the older playoff system, here's what I like about the new playoff system. Less off days, more depth. you got to have more depth. And, you know, teams are going to find ways and strategies to get rest. It takes more pitchers than ever to get through a season. It never used to be the case. 
And now it's going to take more of this ability to rest those starters so that when they go through this journey, they're more fresh to get through this. Now, if you're the two best record three series, if you're not four series and just not trained to throw 200 innings, training pitchers in a totally different way. I think, you know, in this, this style of baseball, the rest is going to help might not be great for the offense, kind of hard to simulate hitting and, and all that. But, but I would rather be in this situation knowing let's just use the Mets, for example, let's say they, they have to get into a two out of three mm-hmm. and whoever they're facing right now would be the pod race. They have to burn their top three or two pitchers. Then they have to go to the Dodgers and face a Dodgers team that has all its resources available. The Mets have the depth to do it, but they're behind the eight ball having burned some of those guys to get to the best team in baseball. And I think that's kind of part of the deal. And, and if you want to not be in that situation, you got to find a way to have a better part of the season. But once you get here, you know, you're going to convince yourself everybody has an equal chance if we get hot at the right time. That's going to be the challenge for a lot of teams who have to play four series now. One last question about the playoff structure here, because this is on my mind as well. Reseeding when it comes to that second round has always been a talking point. And I feel like more so this year because there seems to be more of a benefit to be the sixth seed in the playoffs than it does to be the five seed. Let's say you're the five seed. You're on the road for three games at the four seed. And then your, your reward for winning is going to play the Dodgers. Because if, if you're the sixth seed, you go on to play the two seed instead of the Dodgers. I, I've just always wondered about this. And I feel like there would definitely be a benefit of reseeding once you get through that first round. What are your thoughts there? I, I do agree that that's a little bit maybe of a glitch that they'll look forward down the road to see if that's something they're going to look to do. I think at this point they're sticking with the brackets because it's cleaner, but I totally hear you and I totally agree because now you have that scenario where, um, you know, it, the team that didn't win the East is going to have to, in theory, if everything goes according to plan, go through the two hardest teams. Right. Right. I mean, and they're going to win 100 games. So I'm in favor of the reseeding for sure. I think that's the way it ultimately will end up. We'll see. But I, I like the fact that this season has been rewarded again to those top two and everybody that's in has a chance. They just better get hot and be able to get to the point where they can handle, you know, the long journey, if you will, of being pretty tanked out when it gets to the the best of five. I will say this. The best of five, that's your best chance to beat the best team in baseball. Uh, best of seven, I don't know that, that you know, if you, if you lose or win a best of seven, you truly, you can't chalk it up to bad breaks or flukes. You, yeah. you just won a series. Best of five, I, I think a lot of people think if the Dodgers can get beat, their, their best of five scenario, you'd like to be that team playing them in a best of five, not a best of seven. Yeah, so... I, I'm in favor of this playoff structure this year. I'm excited to watch it play out. It sounds like we're aligned there. Uh, for the most part, John, there's the playoffs are pretty much set. The teams are set. There could still be some seeding differences, but I think we know pretty much what we're going to see. Is there one series in the first round, excluding the, the DS and the CS, is there one series that we're going to get here in a few days that you're most looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the Mets and the Padres. There's so much pressure on the Mets. They have a great team. They've had a great year. Uh, they got a great pitching staff. I don't know how healthy they are. Guys are gutting it up at this time of the year and pitching. Um, but I think that's going to be a real heavy number one and number two starters going at it. I mean, this is a balance. 
the Mets are better seeded for a long series. I think their pitching staff is better than most. Their five-man starting rotation, I could argue, is as good as most in the National League. The front two, though, against the front two of anybody that's in the playoffs is going to be a – I think it's the perfect challenge. You got Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, and then the big three for the Mets. So it's going to come down to uh, – yeah, the Mets are going to have home field advantage, but it's going to be some low scoring – and it's going to be who can execute. And of course, the Mets got a great back end of the rotation and guy that's chomping at the bit. So that's my most intriguing one, because when you've had a stranglehold of the division all year, and this is all assuming that they don't win the division, right. that pressure is enormous. And winning that series, they're going to be favored. But I don't think you can look at them as a heavy favorite in a best of five, which is what I just got done saying is a tricky deal. But then, I mean, I'm sorry, best of three best of five moving on, then they start creating that depth in their rotation that they can match up everyone else's fours and fives. So I love that part of this journey. They got it. Whoever gets through this, you know, obviously uh, goes on. It looks like to take care of or try to challenge the Dodgers. So you can look at the map and you can go, wow, this is daunting. But I think the first series, the tremendous amount of pressure and anxiety that's going to come with a team that can win the world series that was really set up uh, to win the division, uh, we're gonna, we're, I think that's the one that intrigues me. Is there, a, is there an X factor on, on both sides? Like if the Padres are going to win the series, who needs to be that guy and vice versa with the Mets? I think, um, you know, when I look offensively for either team, Juan Soto, I mean, he hasn't had a, you know, he hasn't been totally on fire since going over there, but it's a dynamic change to their offense. Their offense is not great. So that would lend to think that the low scoring games and, and maybe the, the, the ability to pop one out a home run from the left side, you primarily have a lot of right-handed pitching for the New York Mets, although yep. be it great. And I think for the New York Mets, I, I, you know, offensively, they're just the most balanced team. I think when putting the ball in play, but I think it's going to come down to their bullpen and shortening and winning those games. Edwin Diaz is a monster at the end and look for him to, to work extra hard. You know, I think, he hasn't had much work down the stretch. So it's that anxiety of being, you know, favored and supposed to win and yeah. best of three. Thankfully it's a best of three. Can you imagine if it was a one game playoff, you know, and I, I just, I just don't like those from, especially if you've won the Mets could win 102 games or 101 games, however finished. But um, it, it, that to me, you know, when I think of Juan Soto from the left side and I think of the power pitching and just his ability to control the strike zone, it's really going to come down to, um, you know, the Mets don't hit for a ton of power, but they put the ball in play. I love the strategy that has been employed throughout their lineup. The uh, Jeff McNeil, I could watch him hit yeah. for the rest of my life. He's great. So if you had, if you were put on the spot right now, had to predict a winner in that series, who are you going with? I, I'm going with the Mets just because uh, the three home games and, and the ability to play uh, the type of baseball that, you know, that home crowd is going to lift them up. And, you know, the fact that, They've got some games to get over the, the, the sweep and, and there's not much rest for, for them. But I think those pitchers are going to be chomping at the bit to kind of prove, you know, even if they're not 100% healthy. And I don't think anyone at this time is that they're going to be able to, uh, to move on. It's, it's a clash of the Goliath kind of matchup that we thought might see later in the, 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 yeah. the playoffs, the Mets and the Dodgers. But that's what everybody's kind of looking forward to. Um, don't know. Padres may mess everything up. <laughs> uh, John, there's been a lot of talk this year. T 
tons of records out there. Albert Pujols getting to 700. Aaron Judge on his quest for all-time single-season Yankees home run records. But there's another record out there that I didn't know much about until recently. You hold the playoff record for most stolen bases by a pitcher. Where, where did that come from? Was that something that you cared about at all? You know, in the moment, I was just trying to find a way to get the second and, and get a run. And I think in one of those occasions, occasions it worked. Um, you know, that'll never be broken because I don't think we're ever going to have pitchers, uh, you know, hitting again. But uh, it wasn't a pretty slide. I had my jacket on, you know, and sometimes the pitcher loses track. I'm over there on first. And it, I was, believe it or not, back in the day, official pinch runner for Russ Nixon when he was the manager before Bobby Cox. So, I prided myself with base running and getting on the, but the slide was horrible. It was a last minute thing. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, Hey folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's list, your go-to home services marketplace for getting all your jobs done. Well, now you might be wondering what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services Marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. In the heat of the moment, I was just, I'm always thinking. I'm always thinking about scenarios. I'm always thinking about what ifs. Uh, if I was in this situation and, and I just said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I got nothing to lose and, and maybe we'll get a two out run. And, and I think we did, I think there was a hit after that and I scored. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I wasn't, didn't look pretty, looked like a, almost looked like, a an octopus running down to second base. And then the way I slid was just, was, was awkward because I, I thought I could get in standing up in the last minute. I go, I better. I better. <laughs> oh no, not one of those. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I don't know if that ever gets broken one because pitchers aren't hitting anymore, but two, the one pitcher that does the angels might rob us of him at never getting into the playoffs anyway. So, um, true. I forgot about that. That's right. Um, <laughs> uh, if you had to compare yourself, if you could compare yourself to any base stealer in history, John, are we talking Ricky Henderson? Like who would you model your base running after? I would model it. Um, I think it's that slow catcher that no one thinks is going <laughs> to steal. And he's like 10 for 10 lifetime. Like I, I'm very opportunistic. I, I wouldn't call me uh, uh, a speedster by anything, but I would call myself opportunistic at knowing, okay, he's not paying attention and go. 
and just take off. So, um, kind of like an Albert Pujols, he he still runs. He catches people off guard, and he just goes and gets in there. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit ganglier and probably a little you know don't have the perfect stride, but but I literally prided myself from going from first to third, first to home, second to home. Had some slides at home play, <laughs> you know. So um, we worked on it in spring training, never thinking it would come into fruition. But, you know, unless you've been on the bases a lot, unless you've slid a lot, pitchers probably don't have the best sliding techniques because that's the last thing we want to do. And it's a third base nightmare, third base coach nightmare. You know, I'm at second base. He's looking <laughs> at my lead and he's giving me the no, 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 no. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. You, I'm going. Um <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's just part of the deal that we were, we were prepared to do and, and hopefully help the team win. But, you know, those days may be over minus Otani. I didn't even think about that from a third base coach perspective. You think it's because, no, that guy's slow. We don't want him running. No, they're being selfish. They don't want to have the decision in their hands to make you slide or to send you home or anything like that. There's no doubt because those collisions were loud back then. So you could run the catcher over. And I always had visions of the game-winning run, I'm at second base, and I'm going to plow. I'm plowing the catcher over, and then I can't get up and pitch anymore. Did it ever get close? Uh, it was close, but then I went around and did kind of a hook slide. But ironically, in that famous one-to-nothing loss to Andy Pettit in '96, I was, I got on base. I was in second. It was first and second. Nobody out in the seventh or eighth, something like that. And he makes a great. We bunted. And I and he threw me out at third. I slid in, hoping to be safe. I was out, and um, you know, those are the kind of moments. Those inches. Those. If, if there would have been maybe a position player out there and he got a better break, but uh, I, I definitely had my my share of pinch runs uh, opportunities, and and uh, luckily nothing major happened on the base pass, other than one particular time in San Diego when I was pinch running. And didn't know I was supposed to be ready that early. I think I told the story, but I had I was eating milk duds on the bench, and <laughs> Russ Nixon asked me for to go pinch run against, um, you know, our catcher, and I, I wasn't ready. I didn't have my spikes on. I had my turf shoes on. It was in the bottom of the fourth or something. I, it was a mess. I panicked. I got out there. Benito Santiago was the catcher. And I forgot I'd put my milk duds in my back pocket. I slid in the second. I was out. I ruined a great day. Ruined milk duds. And I got yelled at for not having my spikes on. It was the last time that happened. Jody Davis was the catcher that I was pinch running for. I'm sure he was happy that I was pinch running for him, a pitcher. Not the milk duds. Oh, no. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining me, my friend. I can't believe this is the last week of the regular season. I'm so pumped up for playoffs, for the new structure, to listen to you throughout the playoffs. So this is going to be a lot of fun, and I will talk to you soon, my friend. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. we got some great matchups. The teams that are in deserve to be in, and they all have unique abilities to kind of go beyond what maybe the experts think. Yep, I'm absolutely with you. So the structure plays out well. There's going to be a lot of strategy involved this year, so we'll see how it all plays out. John, thank you as always, my friend. My pleasure. All right, I hope you all enjoyed that, and I wanted to thank again John Smoltz for joining me. It is always so much fun. Uh, he made some really good points about the playoff structure, and I'm even more excited about it. You know, in the offseason, it was a big talking point. Playoffs are expanding to 12. Is that going to be a great thing? Does it water down the regular season a little bit? Now that I've seen it, 
I love it. And I'm really excited to have 12 teams involved. I think every team that made it deserves to be in it. So we're in a really good position, and it was cool to hear John Smoltz talk about it as well. And the strategy that's going to be involved in these playoffs is really more important than ever because there are more games. There are less off days. So it feels almost more like baseball. You play every day, you figure out your pitching, your strategy, and you go from there. So uh, John Smoltz joining me was really cool. Talking about his stolen bases in the postseason was great as well. So I hope you all enjoyed that as always. And I hope you enjoyed this Wednesday episode of Flippin' Bats. This one is always a lot of fun. Thank you all for joining. Thank you all for listening. Make sure wherever you're listening, you hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, hit that follow button. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, wherever it may be. Also, follow along on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. And you can watch every single episode, as I just mentioned, on our YouTube Flippin' Bats pod for all of them. This one has been a lot of fun. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you tomorrow. Playoffs starting soon. I will see you tomorrow for a big one, another episode of Flippin' Bats. Until then, 